Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. So today we're delighted to invite Wanda Campton on with us to uh, talk a little bit about her work. Um, We're doing a workshop with Wanda on the 13th of July. So Wanda will be sort of disclosing some of the um, practices that she'll be sharing with us on that day and telling us a little bit about why she loves to be sober and a little bit about her sober journey. So at the beginning, we always check in and say hi. So hi, Wanda, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking today. Oh, pleasure. And you, Kate, how's it going? Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> every time, right, every time, Andy, I wish we would just wouldn't do this check-in every time because I'm just like, look, you know, yeah, it's all right. It's, you know, I've got, yeah. It's all right. I'm I'm doing one day at a time at the moment, not in terms of sobriety, but in just terms of life, family life, dealing with, you know, school stuff, dealing with parenting and, you know, it's all right. (laughs) Do you know what? I love that, though. Like, I love that you're being more specific because so often we do get into this dichotomy, don't we, of how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. So it's nice to hear someone actually say something a little bit more... Yeah. <laughs> thank you well you know and it's not like me to bend anyone's ear is it mandy <laughs> but yeah no but let i mean i want the, keeping you know, this, it real dude. keeping it real but this is about kind of wonder because we go on enough but so how are you mand <laughs> um yeah i'm good i mean i had a trans i mean obviously this week's been difficult for me with therapy and stuff so um but i had like the craziest day yesterday going from like fetal position sobbing you know where you like sob so much you can't like all the breath's gone um to like completely feeling on a high by the end of the day Mm. so it's just like um yeah yeah, lots of little things clicked into place by the end of the day I went to yoga my son was really sweet sort of made me some food we had some good news like just lots of little things and I I went to bed just like what the (laughs) well actually what you did is you left me a message on whatsapp and sang some Roland Keating at me Ronan Keating (laughs) amazing life is a roller coaster that one I was like oh oh Mandy (laughs) but it was it did actually feel like that yesterday it felt like that for me as well because we chatted throughout the day didn't we we were like boo boo highs and lows day yeah (laughs) was yeah. anyway so we do survive so that's yeah we do we do so um let's get started can you tell us a little bit about your kind of your alcohol free journey I guess Wanda um tell us a little yeah. bit about that well I suppose if I'm thinking back I would say that my relationship to alcohol kind of changed after losing my dad so he he actually died very suddenly when I was 17. Um, and obviously as a teenager, that's such a huge emotional trauma to go through. It was so overwhelming. But I was also, I was so young. I didn't have any coping strategies. And also that a, a period in my life where, you know, you're kind of going for self-discovery. People were at college going out, a bit of a party culture going on. And so actually, you know, alcohol becomes a bit of a, a, a way of coping through such a difficult experience, which wasn't very helpful for me. Um, 
I was thinking actually about if we if we think about how we use drugs and alcohol, it kind of responds to whatever emotional circumstance we find ourselves in. Mm. For example, <clears throat> if I think back to my dad's funeral, it was kind of like, you know, before you go to the ceremony, you have a quick whiskey. And mm. then once the ceremony is done, you go to the wake and then you have another whiskey. And you're so sad and everyone's in so much pain. And the way that you deal with that, typically in our culture anyway, is to drink. Mm. But then thinking about it, it's not just the, the painful experiences. If you think about when you're celebrating something, when you're happy. So my in my head, I'm thinking about like a wedding with like an open bar. Do you know what I mean? It's just like fill it with alcohol, whatever the emotional response is. Or even nerves. Like as a performer, sometimes before I would, you know, go to a gig or whatever, have a quick a quick shot of tequila before I went on stage, which, by the way, if you're doing hip-hop, it's not it's not helping anyone, do you know what I mean? Put the tequila down, for God's sake. Um, but I guess my point is, is that I suppose growing up for me was discovering that actually the way that we respond to any emotional situation is by drinking through it. So when I was 26, I decided you know what, I actually want more for my life. And I went through, you know, a really difficult time and decided that actually I wanted a better quality of life. So for me, often I find people talking about, you know, why would you not drink? Maybe the question should be, why do you drink? Because actually there's so many benefits to being sober, like economic, health, uh, emotionally, like understanding yourself a lot more, but even politically. So I think this is something I've been thinking about a lot. And I know, Mandy, we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Um, But being a resilient woman who's in command of her body and in control of her actions and behaviours and responsible for them, for me, is a political act. And it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, So in a nutshell, that that was a bit about Mm -hmm. why I decided to go sober. Yeah, well, I think, and I think that resonates and it's, you know, through doing this podcast and our conversations over the last year, you know, something that has become so blindingly obvious. And even, you know, it's written down in a report, we talked about this on our mental health episode, you know, that there, it is the number one coping strategy Mm. in Anglo-Saxon culture for stress, anxiety, depression, trauma, mm-hmm. uh, and also it is used in celebration. So that mm-hmm. mix of those two um, kind of cultures and that 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 use of alcohol mm. um, means that it, it's prevalent and it's everywhere in every situation in in our yeah. lives. So um, I, I was thinking about. Also, um, sorry, go on, Wanda. So I just wanted to get my science on for a minute. Yeah, go on, because, get um, on. It's that the only scientific thing I know, <laughs> but I do know it. Um, one of the things that I remember learning about was the amygdala, mm. which is the kind of the, the part of the brain. Okay, now I'm talking about science and I'm thinking, I've got like two buzzwords, right? So amygdala and neocortex. Yeah. And my understanding is that the neocortex is the kind of the rational side of your brain, yeah. which uh, controls your body and, you know, you helps you to walk, helps mm. you to get in a certain direction, whatever it is. And the amygdala is kind of the more instinctual or maybe even emotional response yeah. part yeah. that kind of pulsates. Yeah. So actually what you're talking about, Mandy, is, is not only is it a cultural thing, but it also, it literally changes your brain because yeah. you're just responding to everything, mm. whatever the amygdala is picking up on. If you just mm. fill it with drugs and alcohol, then any emotional 
feeling you're happy drink you're sad drink mm-hmm. you're angry drink whatever so there's like two there's two sides of that it's partly partly cultural and also it, it literally changes your body which is yes. i think is quite fascinating it does and what, and what actually the neocortex the frontal cortex is responsible for impulse control and rational thought mm. so what you do when, and when you take alcohol it literally disables your frontal cortex so it puts the amygdala yeah. in control amplifies all the impl- it, it disables the impulse control and it amplifies emotional states but falsely mm. so you're not getting that whole holistic kind of I know how I feel. I'm slowly processing it. I'm going through my healing stages. I'm listening in. I'm noticing it. What it does is it sort of numbs you out, but kind of inflames it at, at the same yeah. time. So, so then you've got a crashing hangover. Then you're depressed. You're anxious even more. But you haven't actually really experienced whatever that emotion was, and then the healing exactly. process. So exactly. Mm literally it's the least helpful thing we can be doing with our feelings and we're actively encouraged to stay in this spectrum of acceptable emotions and numb out the ones that we actually need help to actually understand and deal with but you know what that is it that is for me is at the core of why i love sober because There is this spectrum of human experience and that comes with many different emotions. So, you know, the anger and the anxiety and the nerves and the pain and whatever, and we do shut that out. But when you're sober, you're almost kind of, you're confronting that on a day-to-day basis. And I love it. Like, Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like a complete lie. I'm genuinely not lying. Like, thinking about, like, first date nerves, right? Mm -hmm. And you're on your way out and you've got kind of, like, uh, what they're called, butterflies or you know, you're feeling a bit anxious and, you know, often we talk about Dutch courage or whatever, but feeling those mm. nerves out is so amazing. Like you're really living fully and wholly yeah. and really experiencing the whole array of emotional experience that we should feel. Like yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with feeling out those roller coasters, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. I think the, the, the only gap there there is in the kind of responsibility, I guess, of, you know, politically of governments of, um, in schools and how the conversation needs to change is that that emotional intelligence needs to be taught. Like, you know, mm. we're learning it now. You know, mm. I said I went from the worst feeling to feeling elated because I know how to manage my emotions. Like, I know mm. to lie there and sob on the floor and that's fine. Yeah. And get it all out and then, To you know, sing Ronan a... Keating. Yeah. With yeah. your but elation. Take a bath, you yeah. know. Yeah. Take, Love you a know, bit I of Ronan. I spent some time, like... I I spent some time naked, you know, like I, I, you know, because a lot of it was kind of is to do with trauma and to do with, you know, my body. And so I I did. I had a bath and I spent some time with with myself. And um, (laughs) not in that. Is that a euphemism for something? Yeah. and then, you know, and then I got dressed and then I painted my nails and then I, you know, I, I had some nourishing food and I had a cup of tea. And then, you know, I, I reached out, I talked about it, um, I wrote, you know, I, I journaled, I did some art. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I did, mm-hmm. you know, to manage that feeling of pain. But the feeling of, of pride and the feeling of kind of... Um, strength at the end of the day to be like I I fucking did that you know Mm. I fucking won at life today um it was hard but I got through it you know um 
You're still laughing about that cake, I can see. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I spent a little time with myself. I love it. But, but you know, it, there is actually something very important in what you're saying as well about having that kind of um, emotional management or knowing like certain coping strategies that you can put in place when you need to. And also when you're talking about politically as well, that's, that, I mean, this is a slight tangent, but maybe a relevant one. But I do think like what, Imagine what would happen if, like, everyone was sober. Oh, my mm. God, I know. Like, the things we would not put up with. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And actually, like, thinking through mental health, for example, like, feeling anxious and depressed, maybe we don't need to frame that. The same with kind of, like, thinking about drug and alcohol dependency. Like, maybe this, this stuff doesn't need to be framed as an illness. It's mm. a response. It's quite a reasonable response yes. to a sometimes horrendous world yes but actually if we're sober and we're feeling things more fully maybe that can actually inform a kind of political response or a different way of uh reorganizing our lives and how Mm. we connect with other people it could be quite sober resistant movement yeah i i 100% agree with that yeah when you start looking at people that are that inspire me you know um, like you, Wanda, like I listened to your podcast Aww. with Fern and I was like, God, I love this idea of using words and language to mm. um, to, to talk about mental health, to be able mm. to sort of help people to, um, to understand their emotions and be able to project their emotions and talk about their emotions. And then we had a chat off, offline and it was like, uh, and by the way, I don't drink. I was like, oh my God, yippee. <laughs> yeah. Brené Brown, like, she's sober, do you know what I mean? Like, Is she? Are, oh, yeah, that. you know, but you know... Like, there are these people that sort of, sorry, just to finish, are um, are radical in, in their thought mm. process, and that's because they have time to think and they're mm. not numbing out. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is, I mean, basically we talk about the dominant drinking culture. Like, everything about alcohol is is the status quo, is, is conforming, is... Uh, numbing out so that the status quo continues mm-hmm. um so, and you know and we've talked about it before haven't we mandy about being so but it is a kind of rebellious act you know it's totally it, so so i love what you said and i think there is so much there actually in terms of the activism side of it side of it and I know that's not for mm. everyone you know it doesn't mean like you know for people who who listen in who are just like oh just trying to get through day one you know what I mean I'm just trying <laughs> yeah. to not drink wine and put my kids to bed you know um you know so I, don't wanna, I think that's a yeah. political act too day yeah, one is. is political every single step that you take to be like responsible for yourself mm. or at least you know, care for yourself or even just think about yourself is a political act. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like small Waving steps about, like that yeah. make a much bigger journey. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The poet in me coming out. Um, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. is that those those day one, those day two, whatever, like day 6,095, like every mm. single one of those steps is a political act. Yeah, yeah and I think yeah. there is, because the conversation is changing and we've talked about this, you know, that there is this kind of like, um, you know, this influencer or this is coming out to be kind of like a fashionable thing. And that can that puts a huge amount of pressure on people like, God, I'm not winning at sober if like I don't mm. have, you know, 10,000 followers and a blog and a book and stuff like that. But it's it you're 
you're winning in so many ways, you know, by teaching mm. your kids uh, better ways of kind of uh, of uh, responding to their emotions, by mm. talking to people in your family, by standing up to your husband, by, you know, changing the way that you your work-life balance, by, you know, taking control of your career. There's so many things that are like the small impacts that have a huge impact mm. anyway. So just you sure. being sober and looking after yourself, as you say, is a is totally a political act. Absolutely. I agree with that. And um, what I wanted to ask you... Oh, sorry, man. I told you no, had no, a big on. intake of breath there, like you were going to launch. No, 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 no. And I was like, I'm going to get one in first. I want to talk to Matt. I wonder. But I'm really interested, you know, with your, your work with, with words and... Mm. You know, we often say to, you know, we were talking yesterday actually about words kind of being magic and <laughs> powerful and oh. just sort of almost limitless. And and I tr- I'm really interested to hear how you, why you love words so much and why they're so important in, in so sobriety for you, if you call it that. Um, I uh, love a word. I love a word indeed. It's interesting <laughs> though that you're talking about... Um, language being limitless so my mind has just gone to a kind of a psychoanalytic place of thinking about is language limitless and is that why we bring sound into language and why we bring rhythm into language or our bodies into how we speak so that we're creating performance because actually maybe language is limited in describing our experience but the way in which we use language is not you see what i'm saying there is a, a very complicated answer to that question which i think we should talk about forever um, I'd love to. Which would be, let my dream come true. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about it. This is welcome to my brain. Um, but I think, yes, yeah, so for me, I think language has really helped me to unpack my experiences in so, so many ways. So I think it can be as simple as looking at singular words. So, for example, if you look at the and and but, if I say uh, I want to go to the gym, but I'm tired, I'm not going to the gym. Mm. If I say I want to go to the gym and I'm tired, just by switching that word but and and, Mm. I'm accepting that there are two things that are possible and that they can actually work together. Now, as humans, we are complicated and we are constantly feeling a multitude. Actually, as Mandy was saying, in terms of your rollercoaster day or feeling all these different emotions, that's humanity, right? Like, we are complicated people and we do feel a number of different things at the same time I think language can really guide us in understanding how we accept or push away or just respond to those feelings and often it's quite an unconscious thing so we might find ourselves um what's quite interesting actually if you listen to um my work or any other kind of artist then you you might pick up on certain words that are being repeated um which is just quite interesting to think through. Why do we repeat certain words and what does that mean for us? Like, is there something actually connected going on there? And just by stopping and pausing and um, thinking through the language that you're using, you can uncover quite a lot about yourself, which is quite quite difficult, um, but I think is worth doing. And also I think language is how we connect, right? Like, it's how we make sense of our experience. It's how we relate to other people. Um, and I think music is the most incredible limitless possibly 
um, way of creating dialogue, dialogue with the self, dialogue with other people, dialogue with society, dialogue outside of society, whatever it is that you want to do. And it's always uniquely yours. Like no one else is ever going to rap the same as you. No one's ever going to write the same poetry as you. It's so authentic and so individual and it never, it never ends. Maybe the limitless thing is more important than my first thought. Mm. And why is that in? <laughs> why is that helpful for sobriety? Do you think? What? Or how has it helped you in your journey? Okay. Or how does it help with, with with say with people with choosing their words or being aware of their words? Say. Okay, I would say on the most practical level, let's look at can't and want. Mm. So, for example. I can't drink is something that people who have had difficulties with drugs and alcohol might often say, right? And actually, I would challenge that a little bit and say, well, you definitely can. Do you know what I mean? And maybe you can to a point that's not been great for your life. So is it that you can't drink? Or is it that you don't want to drink? And using that want gives you an empowerment and it gives you choice and it gives you command over what it is that you're doing. And actually sobriety or, you know, whether that sobriety is a choice that's not related to a difficulty or whether it's sobriety because you've been through a difficult experience. Either way, for me, sobriety is strength and it's a a very powerful political, emotional act. So why not claim that? Why not, you know, say that you're choosing to do it? And it's through language that we, we can identify that. So just, I mean, I would definitely suggest that people practice with it a little bit so when when we find ourselves saying i should not do this or i can't do this or you know this is impossible whatever just taking a step back and thinking if i reframe my language around it mm-hmm. where is my agency and how do i take command of the situation a little bit more does that make any sense that that, really yeah 100 100 really? and i think with cool. that i think it's interesting to see because we spoke in an earlier episode about our identities and Mandy being kind of more rebellious and say uh, overtly political and me being sort of around healing and transformation and mm. wonder say for example and so to uh, identify words that then like almost like mind mapping you were saying Mandy to mm. to see what 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 it means to us and, and tie in our sobriety with our values with our wants with our dreams or with our acts of rebellion or whatever that is mm. so and again like you said wonder it it's like how we communicate how we make sense how we own it and there's been so much disempowering language around mm. the subject yeah. I think do you, know, do you know what as well just as you're talking I'm I'm also kind of thinking like um I feel very strongly that language is democratic right so language isn't despite what some misconception there may be around this or some disagreement to be had around it but I think generally speaking we can accept that language is democratic in terms of it's not just written and we all just use it in the same way we're constantly reinventing it and we're constantly mm, changing and adding, mm. evolving is yeah. the perfect word for it. So in music, it's, it's kind of like a democratic creation of language, right? And looking at that. Okay, but that's important because it's also important in recognising that we ourselves can change. So even whilst we, we might say, okay, I'm more rebellious or this is a kind of area that I'm more passionate about and that will make sense at the same time like maybe we can apply the way we think about language to the way that we think about ourselves like maybe 
I'm not rebellious today or maybe I'm more interested in this today. Do you know what I mean? Like just trying to use the two sides of it to explore it and to investigate Mm. identity or investigate our speech. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because I was talking, I was thinking about like, because I know you you quite often um, look at, say, an emotion, you know, and like, or a colour, you know, I've heard you talk about, say, looking at the colour red and the colour red could be anger, it could be love, you know, and there's choices, Mm. there's always choices about where we, where we go with things. And so I was thinking about the words that I'd like to mind map, you know, about sobriety and I wrote down empowerment, female, sober, freedom. And I was like, oh. nice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that's a really amazing practice for people to do. It's like, okay, let's put this word sober or alcohol free or whatever you're most comfortable with. And, and you know, mind map and look at what those words are around it to that make you feel good and make you feel uh, empowered and I think that's mm. the the most important thing and 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 when you drink you're so so kind of so much of your power is taken away mm. you know power to control your emotions power to look after yourself I mean another thing I was thinking about this morning is just like as a woman you know let's really think about as a woman how dangerous alcohol is to our actual physical mm. being you know and 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 how we act and how men act towards us and how we we sit in the space and how we can take our place at the table you know mm. there's there's a lot of about that too mm. so well it's interesting you know, I, I with that isn't really, it because i remember um being in australia a few years back like actually it's a really long time back now god i feel old <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was i was sort of way out in the middle of nowhere and they'd only let women in pubs the year before I don't know why I'm pretty, wow. I don't know what my point but you know how it's been used as a, a gender control mm. it's really weird isn't it so those I don't know whether that you know and then suddenly women are allowed in there it's not and we I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say but it has definitely got all those connotations of control and rules and what does it mean and then what risk now I'm like, oh, you know, I'd be so happy not to be allowed in a pub. <laughs> but, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, great. Do you, do you but know, you know what, what I mean? Yeah. Like, just thinking, but there's a really, really interesting um, visual that's kind of in my mind right now when we're thinking about coming back to speech and language and being drunk. You can't actually speak properly if you're mm. if you past a certain point you can't actually articulate or, you know, slurring. And then that's suddenly taken a kind of, I'm really interested in what that means because Mm -hmm. obviously I'm so much about supporting people and supporting myself to be able to speak fully. Mm -hmm. And actually alcohol does the the polar opposite, even though sometimes I think we think like we're more lucid somehow. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. you think it's loosened you up, but actually it's disabled you. Do you know, you just reminded me, have you read um, The Dark materials trilogy you know philip pullman yeah right you know i love those so much and in eric bernson the bear they take his armor and feed him spirits to take Mm. away his power and i was thinking what a perfect kind of metaphor that is for 
the sober and then when totally. he gives up his spirits and he gets his sky armor back and i'm like yes i got my sky armor you know i love that and also just just on the um the other point about like armor and being women and being sober like i already mentioned but here comes my whinge again for the second time today <laughs> so like recently going on a date and then you know everything being all good and then someone saying actually do you know what like, i can't be with someone who's sober it's like what is that about like what mm. afterwards i was thinking what is it about me being drunk at a date that would make that better for you is it because i would lose my inhibitions or i would lose my articulation or i'd lose my boundaries that like, that's a really really fascinating reaction like what is it to be a sober data and what mm. is it to be a sober woman dating or mm. what does that mean for resilience and how we kind of um assert our boundaries a bit more is really it's on my mind a lot yeah it's fascinating it's kind of like um i mean i think that there is something about that dimming your power too you know because when i was a kid like i was often said that i was too serious or i was too intense or i was you know i get stop that taking too. Things so, stop taking yeah, things me so too, too sensitive you know. Yeah, and and then it's like mm. then you start to drink and you become more sort of socially acceptable or something. Mm. But yeah. actually now it's like, well, yeah, I am strong and I do have something to say. Exactly. I'm sorry if I make you feel uncomfortable. You know, I'm not no, sorry. You know, no, that's true. <laughs> I'm still I'm still working on my people pleasing. Um, <laughs> you know. Maybe I should do that a bit more. But you, I think you're right. Like it is that like there's something like powerful and even even though I suppose like on the, the one hand it I think it does highlight that there are difficult things about being sober and I think we are taking really positive steps towards um a community or a more soberly open society let's say yeah um but at the same time again and coming back to kind of embracing those feelings even though it might feel like a bit you're being a bit put out to kind of get knocked back because you're sober and you're dating, whatever. At the same time, look at the power that gives you mm-hmm. to still then say, no, I know who I am. I know mm-hmm. what my boundaries are. And I definitely don't want to compromise that. Like, that's strong, man. Like, really, really strong. Powerful. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. really strong, yeah. Okay, so for, for our workshop, can you talk a little bit about what... Um, what sort of things you'd like to do because uh, I think some people are a little bit anxious or a little bit intimidated yeah. by the idea of kind of coming to a workshop on spoken word and, and and poetry so let us know a little bit about what we'll be me and Kate will be there we'll be we'll be doing it yeah so. we've got quite a few um, people actually signed up yeah, yeah. Bad, one, yeah, bad, yeah. Bad. but yeah so, so I'm actually um I'm not that scary um people <laughs> always terrified of my groups and then they do them they're like, oh you're actually not as terrifying as I thought you'd be I'm, like, I'm not really sure whether that's a compliment or not but um it's just going to be more of an experimental and fun vibrant space so the first thing so there's two workshops the first one which is going to be more based on writing actually very very similar to what Mandy was saying about looking at all the words to describe your sobriety for example and thinking through a bit more cautiously about language that we use or is used against us when we're thinking about living sober so we'll be doing some writing exercises around that and really the idea is not that you're definitely not going to have to kind of um, pour out all your demons in the session at all it's going to be much more about connecting with other people 
um, and hopefully will feel relatively safe that you're not going to have to kind of, I promise, I'm not going to point at anyone and be like, right, stand in the middle of the room and read your poem to me. I don't really, I'm, I don't work like that. I don't work like that. So it will be more kind of open. Um, and also I'm always um, like, I'll have an idea of what we're going to do, but it will also depend on who's there and what people in the room want to focus on. So it's quite a democratic um, mm. session. And then we're going to do one that's more about the body. So I have an exercise, which I'm not going to give too much away, but I'm definitely going to get my facts about the amygdala out. And I'm bringing (laughs) almonds, like the nut. So make sure you're in Brighton to get an almond from me while we talk about the body. Um, But what we'll be doing is just having a kind of a playful space where we look at how do we use our body to give ourselves more confidence and um, kind of thinking about the body in different emotional states. But again, it's not going to be kind of like we'll be doing things together. It's not going to be kind of, you know, picking one person out or anything like that. It should hopefully just be a a place for us to to come together and to just... Mm practice things really um did that kind of make sense yeah yeah Yeah. without giving too much away yes so what i and also (laughs) you know where we're doing it um at platform nine in brighton is a fantastic space like we've we've been there for um a workshop before and so it's really lovely and bright and open but it's also intimate when i spoke to them about it i said Mm. it's got the really right lovely balance between sort of a kind of workspace but also very intimate as well and you feel kind of cozy and looked after but you can, and you can push see the sea the, you can see the sea oh, nice. o- oblique yeah. views um and you can push <laughs> um the chairs back and these kind of lovely blocky sofa things so you can like it's a very creative space to work with for people lots of space that you know if you just kind of want to go oh and i would always i always need to do this i need a cup of tea and i need to take a moment there's loads of places just make yeah. yourself a cup of tea there's a beauty it's such a beautiful space so um i think we're really lucky to be able to be using that yeah. and it'll be really it'll really suit what you're talking about you know and, it, and it's also like i just think it's just to kind of put people at ease a little bit like i don't think we often <clears throat> necessarily get the opportunity to just come and sit in a group of people and just be like okay let's just like be playful for an hour do you know what I mean and actually it's like really really empowering and Mm -hmm. also when you walk into a group and you're like oh my god what am I doing here like everyone's gonna think I'm outrageous or whatever it is I guarantee you I absolutely guarantee you someone else in the room is thinking exactly the same thing it might even be me it might (laughs) even be me you know like it's totally like these these spaces are not about you know producing something or being put on the spot at all and you know like I would never um I always say before the beginning of the group but I'll never ask anyone to do anything I wouldn't do myself and you can challenge me on that I'll have my mm-hmm. almond <laughs> almond almonds <laughs> very excited about oh, almond. I'm quite excited about this almond now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably okay, forget so- them now so we were running out of time so I just wanted to like give you the space to talk a little bit about your what Sound Out UK is and what you do like outside of doing workshops so um, how can yeah. people find you and, and the things that you do yeah. so 
Thank you for that, because I always forget to uh, mention what it is I actually do. Um, so the easiest way to find me is probably on Instagram. So it's at WonderCanton. Um, my website is www.wondercanton.co.uk. So nice and easy to remember. Um, basically, what I do is three kind of core cool things. So on the one hand, I'm a creative mentor. So what that means is I'm working with people on an individual basis and we meet over skype or facetime so it's for people not even just in the uk but there are people across the world that i'm working with um and we meet every week to just talk about different writing exercises it could be performance based whatever works really um and it's it's weekly for an hour just thinking about how do we explore mental health and life experiences through creative practices basically um, and then I do run workshops as well. So that's primarily for single events or conferences or whatever it is. And then I also run structured group courses, which tend to be more over six to eight weeks. And that's primarily for services. Um, so it, it could be kind of looking at language and sound over six weeks in a bit more depth. And you have the same group each week. So you kind of get to know each other a little bit more. Um but yes, yeah, so I suppose I'm, I'm also quite open to opportunities from people that are thinking along these lines anyway. Um, so it, it's quite an eclectic mix. So that's what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. And also, obviously, you're a performance art- artist yourself. So yeah. are, you, are you doing festivals and stuff this year? Are you... Yes, yeah, so festival season coming up, I'm doing less performance-based work and more workshops, which is cool right. because whilst yeah. music is fundamental to me, I'm I'm I really really love working with people. Like that's my core core passion. Um, so obviously we've got Brighton on July 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be at Edinburgh Fringe um, in August. I'll be doing a couple of workshops there, and then I'll also be at Fern's Happy Place Festivals um, in August September time. Um, so I am kind of running around really here, then everywhere, yeah. which is great. And meeting so many exciting people, it's just, it's a real, it's a real honor actually. Um, but yeah, get in touch. Like people, often people contact me on Instagram, like, oh, you must have so many messages. Like, nope, I don't like even coming. <laughs> I'm always happy to hear from people like, yeah. you know, any ideas or suggestions or collaborations that people have got. I'm totally, totally open to, to hearing from people for sure. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. So we'll finish with, um, we always finish with a tip of the day and a reason to love sober. So what's your, your tip of the day? The best tip I ever got and the one that I would give back is if you're ever struggling with sobriety for whatever reason, always do something that you couldn't do better intoxicated. So for example, ride a bike or it could be cooking because seriously cooking sober is definitely a lot safer and a lot funner than doing it any other time (laughs) so cook or even having a bath do you know what I mean like just just do something that you couldn't do better pissed it will make Mm. you feel more confident and just allow yourself to enjoy those moments and allow yourself to feel whatever you feel when you're doing those um different practices and I suppose like it sounds a little bit cheesy but it would be true the reason that I love sober is kind of coming back to this idea and this word of love because I think to love fully and with wholeness would mean or even require that I love myself and that's what sobriety is for me oh that's beautiful I love that I love that it's a bit I'm, cheese, but it's no, true. But it's I can feel it. I love a bit of cheese. We're it. all like, <laughs> it's beautiful. We put it, it's encapsulated it. It really 
really beautifully for me. So thank you so yeah, much it. for um thank yeah, for you. talking to us and we'll link all those or um your contact and everything and what and what you've got going up we'll we'll put all of that on on the website and um and on our notes on SoundCloud and stuff. Um, but thank you so much. Yeah. Can't wait to actually meet you in person at the workshop. Yes, yeah. Saturday, July thirteenth. Saturday, Amazing. July, and book through Eventbrite. But again, we'll link that as well. And um, okay, so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, you can visit Alcohol Change um, in the UK for agencies of local support. Um, so Baristas has the confidential Ask the Doctor service. Um, and just yeah, we we always say, don't we, Mandy? Just if you are struggling, reach out. Um, there are sober forums. Send us a message. Get in touch with um, an agency of local support. Like I said, through Alcohol Change, you're not alone. There are loads of us, and so just get in touch. And we'll see you next week for more chat. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye.